Awesome. So usually during this time, we have one of our pastors come and uh, give uh, a sermon, preach from God's word um, and instruct uh, from God's word. But we also recognize we want to make space for men and women within our community to uh, also preach and uh, tell us what God is doing uh, in their hearts and remind us of the promises of God. And this morning, we're blessed to welcome Pastor Jamal Williams to come and lead us during this time. Pastor Jamal is pastor of Sojourn Midtown in Louisville. Um, he's been a great friend uh, and help to our church, to our pastors, and, and to our staff. So we're super excited to have him here this morning. Um, before we welcome him up, I'm going to read our passage, uh, which comes out of John 10. So if you have a Bible or a device, if you want to flip over to John 10. If you have one of the blue Bibles that are around you, uh, it starts on page 523. The Word of God says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd, of the sheep, to him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls, calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all of his own, and he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others say, these are not the words of who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is a reading of the word of the Lord. Let's welcome Jamal as he comes. Well, peace be with you. What a joy it is to be with you all, Soma, Soma Indy. It is truly a joy to be with you all and to be able to stand behind this sacred desk. Uh, as uh, uh, James said, my name is Jamal, and I have the privilege of being one of the pastors uh, of Sojourn Midtown in Louisville, Kentucky. 
uh, also have the privilege of being a part of the Sojourn Network, where our uh, mission is to plant thriving churches. And at uh, the Sojourn Network, I've gotten to know uh, your pastor, Pastor Branding, really well. Uh, he has become a dear friend, someone who I deeply uh, respect and, and admire. And also, I've gotten a, a chance to get to know some of your pastors, some of your staff, some of the men and women who lead this church. So uh, know that I do not take this time lightly, and it is, a, it is a privilege to be invited to open up the Word of God. So we're going to dive in. We're going to have a good time uh, in the Word, Lord willing, and we're going to see what the Lord has in store for us. So let's pray, and we'll take it from there. Uh, gracious Father, you truly are merciful. You are kind. You are, are beautiful. And I pray, Father God, that even right now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I pray for these, your, uh, your listeners. I pray, Father God, that a word would be said or a song, song today that would enrich their life in Christ Jesus. I rest assured as I seek to bring your word that your sheep know your voice and a stranger they will not follow. So speak, Lord. For your servants are listening in the matchless, majestic, marvelous name of Jesus Christ we do pray. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Well, I, um, I want to stir some things up real quick by uh, mentioning a couple of topics that I know will bring division in the room. Uh, one of those topics is, should evangelicals be for or against President Donald Trump? Y'all like you off to a real bad start. Yeah. As a, <laughs> a real bad start. I promise, Pastor Brandon, that's going to be the least controversial, the, the last, uh, yeah, least controversial thing that I'll say here this morning, right? Uh, but, but if I wanted to stir things up and to stir the pot, that's where I could start. Instantly, the room could become divided. Instantly, there could be judgments made. In fact, some people right now are trying to figure out if you are going to, to leave uh, the sanctuary. Another controversial thing that I could start the conversation out is, is by simply asking a question. Um, who is the GOAT? Who is the greatest uh, basketball player to ever play? Uh, are you Team LeBron, right, or Team Michael Jordan? Instantly, there will probably be discussion if you're an NBA fan. I once uh, asked that question while I was in Lansing, Michigan. I was directing a worship service there uh, at a church that um, I was a part of, and only it was between uh, Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson. Uh, me being from Chicago, I emphatically said Michael Jordan, only later to find out that Magic Johnson's parents were in the audience. <laughs> Didn't know that he was from Lansing, Michigan. Or I could simply ask the question, which is a better city, Louisville or Indianapolis? Now, most would say Louisville. <laughs> Just joking, amen. I, I would probably say Indy as well. But these are the things that, that, that you can just kind of throw out some of these topics and you can, you can stir the pot a little bit. You can get people's blood rising. And in John... Uh, chapter 10, we see that there is a, a question that is being answered throughout the book of John, and that question is, who is Jesus? 
And this question continues to cause division throughout the Gospel of John. In fact, throughout all of the synoptic Gospels. That's why we read in verse 19 through 21, it says, And again, the Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and he's crazy. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, these aren't the words of someone who is demon-possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? The question that John is, is setting us up to answer, the, the question that is being asked by the audience, perhaps who is reading this, is who is Jesus? And, and back in the first century, it was a divisive question amongst the Jews, as many were saying that Jesus was a, a lunatic. No, others were saying that Jesus was a, a prophet. And at the time of this story, some, a minority, were beginning to say, no, Jesus is the Messiah. And as we look at this third installment of your I Am series, we will uh, see that, that Jesus was answering this question quite directly. He was answering this question quite emphatically. He was not afraid of division happening. In fact, one of the ways that we know that he was answering this question emphatically and directly is because of the phrase, I am. I believe that this is the third week that you guys are in this I am series, so you've probably heard that this is pointing us back to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, where Moses asked God the question, who shall I say sent me, as God was preparing him to go to Pharaoh. And God is just so God. He's just so amazing. He's just so sure of himself. He's just so good. He just looked at Moses and said, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. This was the message that Moses was to go to Israel. This was the message that Moses was to take to Pharaoh. And this is God's message to us today. Jesus was using this this language of deity. And here today we're going to see that Jesus would call himself the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And by using this terminology of the good shepherd, Jesus is invoking Old Testament imagery. He is pointing uh, the, the, the Israelite back to Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. He is pointing them back to their Psalter, Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. No, it is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. The Lord. The Lord is Israel's shepherd. And many of us in here, we know this. We know Psalm 23. We know these images of God being our shepherd. And today I want to affirm what you already know, and I want to remind you that even today, right now, if you are in Christ Jesus, that you are not one who is wandering and being harassed as one without a shepherd, but you have a shepherd. But even more than just remind you that the Lord is your shepherd, I want to, to spur you on and encourage you today to remind you that he is your good shepherd. He's not simply a shepherd. He is a, a good shepherd. I want to help you to determine in your hearts today to follow Jesus, your good shepherd, closer than you did on, on yesterday. We stay in a day and age where many Christians are stuck 
Many Christians are apathetic. Many, many Christians are, are cruising their way to heaven when God has called us to crash our way into heaven, entering into heaven saying, and looking back, what a ride. And the only way that we're going to crash into heaven rather than cruise into heaven is if we see Jesus not as simply our shepherd, not as simply one who is, is kind and, and merciful and gracious, but, but one who is good. And this, this word good is, a, is, is, is more than just kind. It's, a, it's holistic. It's, it's beautiful. Jesus being our good shepherd means that Jesus is, is light rather than darkness. Jesus being our good shepherd points us to the fact that he is our sustenance, that he is our substance, that, that he is bread for the hungry and water for the thirsty. Jesus is, is beautiful. So today I want to give you three reasons why Jesus is our good shepherd according to John chapter 10 not merely a shepherd. And the first is this, Jesus is our good shepherd because he came through the gate. Jesus is our good shepherd because he, he came through the gate. In verse 1, Jesus says, truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeepers open, opens it for him. So what is Jesus doing here? In John chapter 9, we see uh, the, the context of this chapter. A man is born blind, and Jesus meets him, and he gives him sight. Jesus sees him in his blindness. He calls him over. He, he makes some mud. He puts it on his eyes. And then he has his men to go wash in the pool of Shalom and receive his sight. This man had been born blind, his whole life living in, in darkness. And in the first century, this was something that was looked down upon. He was considered to have been cursed because of something that his parents had done. Jesus, to make multiple points, heals this man. Later in this chapter, we see that the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, are interrogating this man. Not only are they interrogating this man, but they're also interrogating this man's parents. They're trying to figure out what has happened. How is it that this man who was said to have been blind now can see? And then in verses 19 through 22, we read this. And they asked him, is this your son? The Pharisees, the religious leaders speaking to the man's parents. The one you say was born blind. How then does he now see? We know this is our son, they said, and that he was born blind. But we don't know how he now sees. And we don't know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. Verse 22. His parents said these things because they were afraid of the Jews. Since the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him as Messiah, they will be banned from the synagogue. The Pharisees are putting pressure on people who are beginning to see that Jesus Maybe he isn't a lunatic. And there's something more here than him simply being a, a prophet. Maybe he is the Messiah, but the Pharisees, they, they try to snuff out his voice. Here it is 
is that this God who they worship, who they are supposed to follow, becomes man, walks amongst them, and, and they don't know him. And the reason that they don't know the chief shepherd is because they are not faithful under shepherds. They were false shepherds. In Ezekiel chapter 34, God spoke through the prophet Ezekiel about a day where God would rescue Israel from self-centered shepherds who cared only about feeding themselves. Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 16, God says through Ezekiel, I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strays. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak. I will shepherd them with justice. Verse 23, I will establish over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will shepherd them. He will tend them himself and be their shepherd. Jesus is that shepherd. Jesus is the one who is from the lineage of, of David. Jesus is the one who came 42 generations. Jesus is the one who, who David and Moses foresaw. And Jesus is now on the scene and he is now speaking to the crowd after seeing how these Pharisees could not rejoice that a man who was blind now saw, but instead who sought to pick a fight with him because he was healed on the Sabbath. Jesus is uncovering them, unveiling them, showing them for who they truly are. Jesus says in verse 10, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. This is speaking of the Pharisees. The one who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Now here Jesus uses this, this, uh, this metaphor and this figure of speech and essentially, I believe what he's doing here is saying, listen, I, have, I am the, the, the good shepherd. I am the, the true shepherd because I have come the right way. And the right way is Jesus came fulfilling the Old Testament prophecies. He entered into the gate in alignment with all that Isaiah and, and all that everyone else had uh, about the Messiah, all these messianic uh, prophecies. When Jesus says that, that I have entered the gate, I believe he's speaking about that he's fulfilled what the Messiah will fulfill. He's come after the voice of Elijah, after the voice of John the Baptist. And he's pointing and saying, but these Pharisees, they are not true shepherds. They have entered into the flock. They are leading the flock without coming through in the way that God intended. And how do you know that Jesus is this good shepherd? who has come through the gate, he points to two things. One is that this good shepherd, he calls his sheep by name. He knows them intimately, and they know him. It was common for more than one flock to be kept in an enclosure for safety and convenience. Shepherds would hire a gatekeeper, and when they, when they were ready to get their flock, they would come in and, and get the flock. So see, uh, sheep, imagine sheep in an enclosure uh, that belonged to multiple shepherds. And then a shepherd would come into the gatekeeper, and he would begin to call his sheep by name. Shepherds who had smaller or middle-sized sheep uh, would name each and every one of their sheep, often according to the way they looked. If one sheep was fluffy, he'll call him fluffy. 
If one sheep limped, he'll call him limpy. If, if one sheep was dirty, he might call him stank stank, right? He had all these little nicknames, just like I have for my kids. <laughs> and, and they know when it's time to go, right? And, and so this is this picture of Jesus saying that the true shepherd, the good shepherd, he comes through the gate and he, he knows his sheep. He calls them by name, which got my imagination running to thinking what God might be calling me in heaven. <laughs> What's my nickname? But he also says that the, the good shepherd, as he enters in the, to the gate, he leads them out with his voice. The sheep know his voice, and a stranger they won't follow. They won't follow a stranger because this good shepherd takes care of his sheep. They won't follow a stranger because they, they've been fed by him, they've been nurtured by him. When, they've, when they have a, a, a nose fly, that, that shepherd would go in and and, and, and all go up the, the nose of the sheep and remove the fly from the sheep because, the, because sheep can get these nose flies and they can become distracted and it can become painful. They can't get it out themselves. This, this shepherd knows his sheep. He calls them by name and they follow him. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. And the way that you know I'm the good shepherd is because I came through the gate. When you know that Jesus is a good shepherd, you learn to trust him. You learn to trust him because you see that in him there is safety. You learn to trust him because you, you've experienced his peace. Many of us in here, we unfortunately are being entertained by voices that are not Jesus. We are being entertained by other shepherds because even though Jesus is our shepherd, perhaps we've been disappointed and the way things have gone. Perhaps we've been walking with Jesus for a, a long time and, and the things of, of Christ seem to, to become so normal and, and so stale. And today I want to encourage you to come back to your shepherd. Don't let false shepherds, false voices, the voices of perhaps friends, the voices of, of family members, the voices of, of media uh, deter you away from your good shepherd and his ways. When we entertain the voices of, of false shepherds, we will be led astray like Adam and Eve. We will be led astray like, like David. We have to <laughs> cultivate ears to, to continuously hear from our shepherd. Recently, a friend of mine came back from serving on a mission field. Uh, she was uh, away um, at a place where there is uh, hardly any Christian serving for the last few years. Her church sent her out, helped her raise support, and she came back to the States. My wife and I got to catch up and find lunch with her, and, and during our meal, we had a basic conversation that you would have with someone who you hadn't seen in a long time, checked on her mission, and then she started to, to weep. She started to cry, and she started to, to praise God for the church that she was at, but she also started to lament because as she came back, she sat down with friends that she grew up with in the church. Some of them were still at the church. Others had moved on to other churches. And she said, my conversations with them have been so discouraging. I come back from the mission field hoping that they have grown and that they're walking closely with Jesus only to find out that their walk with them is so shallow. Most of them didn't ask me good questions. It was all about them. 
It was all about entertainment. It was all about their, their children and, and, and the experiences that they were having. It was all about, about music and, and movies. She said, the depth of the conversation kept me wanting. Conversation after conversation after conversation. These Christians perhaps know Jesus as their shepherd, but have forgotten that he is the good shepherd. Jesus is our good shepherd not only because he came through the gate, but because he is the gate. You see this in verse 7 through, through 10. You, you may find yourself a little confused now saying that, that you said that he came through the gate, and now you're saying that he is the gate. You said that he came through a gatekeeper, now you're saying he essentially is the gate. Verse 6 tells us that Jesus was speaking in, uh, in a figure of speech. This is a, a fluid illustration. This is a dynamic, not static. This is a parable of sorts where Jesus is, is kind of switching illustrations here to make a point. We see here that Jesus says in verse 7, Truly, truly, I am the gate of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that he may have life and have it more abundant or in abundance. Though we uh, uh, today we're treating this, this sermon as I am the good shepherd, but we see here that Jesus also says I am, am the gate. How is Jesus the gate? story is told about a biblical scholar named Sir George Adam Smith, who had spent much of his time in the Near East. Smith said that he met a shepherd who showed him the fold where the sheep uh, were led at night. The fold consisted of four walls with a way in. Smith asked, is this where they go at night? Yes, the shepherd said. And when the sheep are in there, they are perfectly safe. Smith said, but they're is no door, which the shepherd said, I am the door. The shepherd said, listen, I am the door. When the light has gone and all the sheep are inside, I lay in the open space, and no sheep ever goes out but across my body. And no wolf comes in unless it crosses my body. I'm the door. Jesus now switches this analogy to, to say that he is the door. And, and the point that he's making as our good shepherd is twofold. The first is that he is the only way to salvation. The second is that he's the only way to true satisfaction. Verse 9, I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. Here Jesus points to the fact that salvation is exclusively found in him. There's no other door. There's no other way. For some here today, this is troubling. And we want to avoid conversations about Christ's exclusivity. <coughs> but if you don't believe in the exclusivity of Christ, then you aren't being actively shepherd, shepherded by him. Later on, Jesus will say in John 14, I am the way and the life. No one comes to the Father but me. The apostles believed this message, and they preached this message. They, they shepherded people with this message. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, they say, For there is no one else, for there is no other name under heaven by which, which people will be saved. Jesus is the door to salvation. 
oftentimes when I'm out and about, I'm talking to people about spiritual things, they, they will say something like, well, you know me, I just think religion is, is a bunch of division and there's multiple ways to God. I often use the illustration, though it is imperfect, to say, oh, so you see uh, religion kind of as God as, as being uh, this, this person who is at the top of the mountain. As long as you go up the mountain, it don't matter which way you go. And normally they say, exactly. So if Buddha is your religion, you can go up this side of the mountain. If Muhammad is your religion, you can go up this side. If Confucius is your religion, you can go up this side. If, if Eastern meditation is what you, you can go up this side. They say, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then when you say, well, what if the God who is on top of the mountain sent his son down the mountain to pave only way, one way up the mountain? And what if the only way you go up that mountain is not climbing it up it yourself? by getting on his back and allowing him, him to carry it for you. Jesus says, I am. I am the way. There's no other way to be saved. There's no other way to eternal life. There's no other way to escape God's wrath. I am the way. Can't go through the Pharisees and the law. You can't go through being a, a good person. You can't go through just being kind. You, you can't be good enough. You can't be kind enough. You, you can't be sweet enough. You can't be cute enough. You, you, you can't be, you can't be, you know, I don't care how good your swag is. I don't care how much Greek you know. I don't care how much Hebrew you know. The only way to please God the Father is through <coughs> Jesus Christ the Son. But not only is Jesus the source of salvation, he's also the source of satisfaction. Jesus, as the good shepherd, says, listen, I'm not just saving you from something. I'm saving you to something. And too many of us, the reason we, we're dry and the reason that we're, we're coasting and the reason that we're apathetic is because we, 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 we are just excited that we have been, been saved from something. We've just been saved from hell. But that will only take you so far. Not only have you been saved from God's wrath, you've been saved to something. Goes on to say in verse 10, a thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus offers abundant life. But the Pharisees, or works-based righteousness, or any other religious system, offers life, it doesn't. It actually steals, it takes away, it ultimately kills. But Jesus said, as, as you're a good shepherd, I have come to satisfy you. I am the one who leads you into green pastures. I am the one who leads you beside still waters. And yes, my child, sometimes as your shepherd, I, I have to take you from one pasture to the next. See, one thing about sheep that I've learned in, in reading books about shepherds and sheep is that sheep, though they are, are cute animals, we, as sheep, we aren't always the smartest. We need help. A sheep will, will graze on the same uh, bit of, of grass until it is completely gone. And once it's still gone, they will still pick at the dirt. Sheep will wander off and get lost. Sheep, if they fall over and they're flat on their back, they can get in a position where they, they can't get up themselves. But sheep are helpless. They are defenseless. And Jesus uses this as an analogy for a reason. 
Now, John is not focusing on these qualities of sheep. Rather, he's focusing on the qualities of our, our good shepherd. But he's reminding us that this good shepherd is the one who satisfies us. He gives us abundance. He gives us green pasture. But sometimes the shepherd has to take you through valleys in order to get to those hills. Some of us, we're walking away from the good shepherd because we're, we're hurting. And rather than allow our pain to push us deeper into Christ, we're allowing it to make us bitter. Infertility. Difficult marriage. <laughs> singleness. <clears throat> Dead-end jobs. Rather than interpreting that, saying, God, you are the good shepherd. You are the one who knows me better than myself. You are working all things according to your good, my good, and, and your glory. You love me. You intimately know me. You've got my back. Rather than conclude that, we conclude that God, he may be my shepherd, but he's not good. And we're not living that abundance. Like Adam and like Eve, like David, on top of that balcony, we are allowing the whispers of a, a false shepherd to lead us down a destructive path. That's why I praise God for someone. That's why I praise God for your elders and your pastors. I've, I've got to spend time with these men. I, I know their heart. I know what, what keeps uh, Pastor Brandon and others up at night is it's that you would be shepherded into green pastures that you would know the truth and that the truth would set you free, that you would learn to grow and to trust this Jesus. Many of us, we, we lack the abundant life because we are constantly doubting God and being convinced. God is patient. We're sheep. God is gentle. Sometimes he taps us with his, his, his stick to get us back where we need to Sometimes he disciplines us. You know, sometimes a shepherd would break the leg of a sheep that cons consistently wanders and then carry that sheep around until it is healed. And I've read that the psychology of a sheep, when that happens, they, they learn to stay closer to that shepherd. <laughs> and and it's a, we all go through seasons of doubt. We all go through seasons of darkness. I just came out of a, a, a season of of, of darkness, a season of, of constant storms, constant loss, constant pain. God sees us and he knows us there, but, but we, we can't save it. And some of us, we're like the children of Israel. We're stuck in the wilderness. 40 days in the wilderness, 40 years in the wilderness is too long. 40 months in the wilderness is too long. Four years in the wilderness is, is too long to not trust your shepherd. Hey, four days, 40 minutes, four, four hours. Pray to God for grace. See him as your good shepherd. Ask him. Ask him to help you to trust him. Finally, Jesus as the good shepherd shows us that he is the one who lays down his life for the sheep said before, Ezekiel 34, these false shepherds were all about themselves. John 9, these Pharisees were all about themselves. Jesus puts himself in stark contrast to these other shepherds. 
just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, verse 14. Verse 15, I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17, this is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life for the sheep. And I may take it up again. Verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. <coughs> I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Jesus came to lay down his life. I've got more sermon than I've got time, so I'm going to draw to a close. Jesus emphasizes over and over, I, I lay down my life. He came like he came to do what he did. He did what he did so that we might be who we are. He came like he came, virgin born, to do what he did, live a sinless life, and die on the cross. He did what he did, live a sinless life, and die on the cross that we might be who we are, children of God. Jesus abandoned his life so that you and I could have abundant life. Jesus abandoned his life so that we can be in the, in the fold. He came not just to save his, his Jewish kinsmen. He, he also came to, to save those who were Gentiles, those Christian, future Christians. You are in the Bible. I am in the Bible. Jesus said, I have come to lay down my life, not just for those who are in this fold, but for those who are to come. Your good shepherd. Your good shepherd came through the gate. Your good shepherd is the gate. Your good shepherd abandoned his life so that you would have life. I had a friend who said that the way that he came to understand the gospel was a bit a bit odd, but it's very powerful. He's now a preacher, and he tells a story about how his mother had a lamp in her living room, and this lamp that she had in her living room was precious to her. She would always tell him, whatever you do, whatever you do, don't play in the living room because you'll knock over this lamp and break it, and I love this lamp. And so as a child, Whenever he started playing, go downstairs, go in the other room. And him and his big brother, they would still tussle. And one day his mom was at work, and they began to fight in the living room. And they began to play. Big brother went out. He took a ball, started throwing the ball up. Before he knew it, he tripped, and he broke the lamp. Terrified. Mother came home from work. She cleaned up the lamp. Sitting downstairs praying that she wouldn't see it, and that when she finally did see it, that she wouldn't be angry. But she heard his voice from upstairs, like, where's my lamp? And then he heard these steps come, boom, 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 down the stairs. So she yelled, who broke my lamp? And he said, just as I was about to say, mom, I broke your lamp. My big brother said, mom, it was me. He said he looked at his big brother, his big brother looked at him, kind of gave him a wink and said, I broke your lamp. He said, I watched my brother walk up those stairs. I heard my mother scold her and spank him. I saw him come back downstairs, and he never complained. He never said a word. And it was then that I knew that my big brother loved me. All I'm saying, Psalm, is that you have a good shepherd. 
And whenever you just start feeling that he's just a shepherd and he's not a good shepherd, remember that he's also your good shepherd. And that he came 42 generations, save one. That this big brother, this big shepherd is the one who created all things. This, this big brother, this big shepherd is the one who is allowing earth to spin on an invisible axis. This big brother is one who is fully God in every way, but allowed himself to be humble and, and to, to secure himself in Mary's womb. This, this, this big brother walked the dusty streets of Jerusalem. He walked the Via Della Rosa, the road of sorrow. He went up Golgotha's hill. He was stretched wide. Nails was put in his palms. Nails was put in his feet. He was stripped naked. He was hung high. He was dropped low. He was put in a borrowed tomb. But on the third day, he got up with all power in his hand. And he, he submitted to death, not because they took his life, but because he, he gave his life. He defeated death. He rose from the dead so that you and I could have abundant life, so that you and I can have a peace that passes all understanding, so that you and I can have, have joy, a joy that the world didn't give and the world cannot take away, so that you and I can be made into his image, so that you and I can have eternal life, so that you and I one day can spend been eternity with a place where there is no more crime, a place where there is no more cancer, a place where there is no more divorce, a place where there is no more disappointment, a place where the S-O-N will refuse to sign because the S-U-N will refuse to sign because the S-O-N is always shining. Your good shepherd has went to prepare that place. Lord, we thank you so much for your kindness. We thank you for being our good shepherd. For offering us safety, salvation, satis satisfaction, and for sacrificing your life on the cross. Help us to take that next step towards you as our good shepherd.